Good morning, everybody. There's no place like home. I'm so thankful to be back. Someone asked me what the feel was over there in, in Poland, and I suppose you probably understand a little bit if you understand history. They're a little bit nervous over there. The, the, the culture is nervous because of, you know, the good guys on one side and the bad guys on the other. You're saying, how can you make that statement? Well, based upon some of the stuff I've learned that the Russians have been doing, it's, it's pretty horrific. So uh, I'm thankful to have gone. I'm thankful to have been able to minister to many of those people, but also to, to have God answered the prayer that I'm able now Bible study with uh, Nicole's uh, fiance, soon to be husband, uh, Stoss. So that's very exciting. And then of course, um, Alina, a young lady who is uh, four years younger than Nicole, she wants to Bible study now. So her sister, Alina, is Nicole's sister. And uh, it was great to see some of the young people from past. And I've worked with uh, orphans from um, Olga Goncharenko's work. And one of those, Ina, uh, was there and asked for Bible study as well. So how exciting that was. Thank you for encouraging me, supporting me, praying for me. And uh, the kingdom continues to grow. So praise God for that. So anyway, the most amazing family who continues to love and support me and my family as we work together uh, as, a, as a family of God to draw people out of the darkness and, and build them up in the Lord. I just thank you so much. That's for you. Uh, praise the Lord for Jeff, Sharon, and, and Ken Weibert, our blue jean angels who are at it again in a big way. Last year it was the roof uh, over our heads. This year is the restoration of the ramp under our feet. Thanks for always being there to keep us undercover on solid ground. So let's give it up for our blue jean angels. Uh, Matt, you always bring light to the room. <laughs> I didn't say that quite loud enough, but there you go. All right. Thank you. I don't look like Braxton, but I'll... Thank you, Ken. All right. Appreciate that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. There you go. Rick and Ellie, thank you for being here today to be built up and to build us up by your presence. Woohoo! Give it up for Rick and Ellie. I like your hairstyle. I wish I could do that to my hair. <laughs> All right. Well, that will come later. I am so encouraged to see each and every one of you assembling here to honor God as it is not easy to be here. Thank you, brethren. And I'm not sure who wrote that, but amen. Okay. Announcements. Announcements. Um, number one, all evening assemblies in the month of September will be at the Kirkpatrick's place. So don't drive west, drive east, most of us. Uh, stay tuned for Monday evening uh, college age group. When I say that, we've decided to allow... Um, Jacob to decide. So I don't want to put the pressure on him, but Jacob will chat with him a little bit and see if he wants to have a little fire in the back, you know, and stuff like that. Now it's going to be in a fire pit. So stay tuned. We'll see if we're able to pull that off. Uh, next Sunday, after assembly, Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar planning meeting. And I have good news. We have a uh, barbecue uh, company coming out. Uh, one of my former marketing students decided to create 
uh, Pit Barbecue Company. And uh, he started it last year, and he is book solid, but he opened up uh, October 28th for the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. And so he's going to be here. Uh, uh, his family is all redheads, so it's called uh, the, the Ginger Pit Barbecue Company. <laughs> so anyway, his kids are flaming uh, red hair, and his is grayish, grayish red hair. Anyway, so uh, it, it'll be great. Uh, also, too, some of you have heard of Mama Nina. Uh, I got to talk with Mama Nina in Belarus on Friday. And uh, she takes care of foster kids who parents in the foster program over there can't handle. And somehow she has this amazing, magical love. Uh, I think it's the love of Christ anyway. Uh, the kids love her and listen to her. And when I was there with Mike Harbour uh, back in 2017, it was awesome to watch. Because here you have these big, big strapping Belarusian boys that could take Mama Nina and throw her, you know, across the street, and they're there asking her what they can do and how to help out, and these are the kids that nobody else can handle, and it's like, there's just this love there that they have for her. It's absolutely amazing. So, that being said, uh, we're going to use the money from the uh, Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar to help her uh, get out of the government house that she has uh, into her own place. And uh, there's a few things that she needs to do that maybe, Jeff, you could come over and help her do that, you know, and maybe have Ken help out. But uh, there you go. Bring your toolbox. That'd be great. They'll check it, though, at the airport, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, it's exciting so that she'll be able to be in her own home. Uh, they're going to build, see, they're going to build bunks uh, for the young people uh, and whatnot. They're going to redo the floors and redo the, the, uh, the, the roof and to do a little plumbing. So uh, I'm excited to see what we'll be able to do to help her accomplish that. So when we go to Belarus next time, we're traveling down to Mama Nina's place. So thank you for all the help you've been in the past. Now you know where your money's gonna be going for certain. All right, well that. Uh, any other announcements? Yes, another announcement. There's a birthday boy. There's a birthday boy? Alan. On Tuesday, man. That's awesome. So it says 29 this year? It is? Okay, cool. See, I guessed it right. That's the first time I think I've ever guessed it right. Rick, Rick Steiner just passed the birthday, too. Oh, Rick Steiner. No. No, never too late, Rick. <laughs> You know, I say for guys like you and me, you're 29 plus lots of shipping and packing. <laughs> well, congratulations, man. Here we go. Two birthday boys in the house. Oh, wait, but there's more. Before we sing, on Thursday night, any ladies that are interested in doing some paint pouring to repair stuff that sells the car, we're talking to you for doing that Thursday evening. Ah, good. Oh, and that brings me to what I need to, to do. Anybody who has extra deer antlers hanging around the house they want to get rid of, I'm doing antler art. And so we'll have a display of antler art at, uh, at the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. Now, I don't know how many antler art people will get coming through, but you know what? Should be fun. Anyway, so there you go. Thank you. Appreciate it. Any others?
Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right, grab your Bibles. Here we go. We're going to turn to the, the book of Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. I know you've never heard of that before, but we are going back to Proverbs chapter 8 and uh, uh, verse 13. You know, and the, we've been going through each little section, and you know, each little section you could preach a number of sermons on, and I've really worked hard at keeping it to one. And today I'll try to keep it to 15 minutes. If that's possible. So Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. Notice what it says there. Very powerful statement. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. To hate pride. To hate arrogance. To hate the evil way. And to hate the perverted mouth. And it says the perverted mouth I hate. The question really is this morning. Do we hate the perverted mouth. What's the perverted mouth? Should we be hating other people's perverted mouth? I think more importantly, we should be hating anything that's perverted that comes out of our mouth. You see, we can't control anybody else. I can't control you. You can't control me. I have to control me. And if we are going to live the life of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to hate the perverted mouth that might be in us on occasion. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, some people might say, well, oh, cuss words, that's the perverted mouth. Actually, those are kind of the baby ones. There are some big, ugly, horrible ones. That would be the perverted mouth. What does the word perverted mean? We've looked at this before. The word perverted is a rather interesting word. It means to, 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 to distort and to, to cause to not be of a normal standard. So pervert can be anything. And remember, I used the example of the, the, the marriage bed intimacy. That is the standard for that physical intimacy. Anything outside of that is warped and destructive and destroys the relationship and destroys the family and, and just brings about great disharmony and destruction in relationships. So, so anything that is outside of that standard is perverted. So we hear the word, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Amen? How many have ever heard that one before? But Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. I think that's actually the gold standard. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, that it might meet the need of the moment and give grace to those who hear. Now, the reason I memorized that one is because I needed it, and I will say I still need it. I've come a long way, baby, but uh, you know what? Any idle thought be can become an idle word, and an idle word oftentimes can be very destructive and hurtful. So, uh, I want to encourage you this morning. 
uh, to consider the things that the scriptures teach and then be intentional, be purposeful in working on the mindset because from the mindset comes forth those words that in God's economy are perverted. Well, look at the first point. What are the signs of a perverted mouth? What are the signs? Well, take a look, if you will, in your, your little notes. The mouth of a liar. Now, what are we talking about in regards to a lie? Uh, that which is deceitful. Now, can a lie be the sin of omission? Do you know what omission means? To withhold some very important information that needs to be told. Well, you know, the perverted mouth might be a silent mouth when you need to speak up. Perverted mouth might be the mouth that doesn't share all the details to help someone grow or all the details that need to be heard. So we need to understand that this, this, this mouth of lying is deceitful. It's dishonest. It is not going to speak the whole truth and it's going to be devilish. I've given you some scriptures there in each one of those, those uh, uh, signs. You can go back and look at those, but did you know that the, the, the devil is the father of lies? The father of lies? And so where does this character quality come from? It's the exact opposite of the character of God. God is truth. The devil is the father of lies. And so we really need to be checking ourselves. Are we misrepresenting the truth? Are we withholding important information leading to potentially the death of many? Well, look at the next one. Here's another sign, the mouth of a gossip. And I have to share with you that a lot of people, I don't ever hear very many sermons about gossip, but gossip is one of the powerful tools used by the devil to absolutely destroy people. The word gossip is also spoken of as being a whisperer or a slanderer. And the words I have down there that you might want to put by the check marks is they're absolutely destructive. Gossip is always destructive. It's never constructive. Because gossip is always sharing things about people that may or may not be truth, but the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. So for you to express something about someone else that may be true but needs to be covered, that is outside of being loving. That's actually unloving. That's hateful. And again, that's devilish because he is all about destruction of relationships. Gossip destroys people and relationships. And you know, gossip being not only devoid of love and destructive, it's really quite deceptive. Oftentimes gossip will be used to tear someone else down in hopes that you, the person who is gossiping, will be thought better. Just remember, the book, good book says this, if someone is going to talk to you about others, they most certainly will talk to others about you. So we need to be careful. That is a perverted mouth. That's a super destructive mouth. You know what it says when it talks about, and ladies, this is Bible, not Bill. 
It says the wives of leadership. By the way, all husbands are in leadership positions. But the wives of leadership, be careful that you are not malicious gossips. What's a malicious gossip? You intentionally talk to others about other people to destroy them, to tear them apart. I don't know about you, but if God is a God of life, if God is a God of love, gossip is the absolute opposite. It destroys and it kills. Now, there's another thing that uh, we might want to be checking ourselves in, and, and some of you know that I have really struggled with this in the past, and it's the mouth of anger. Have you ever gotten angry and said something that you wish you never would have said? Whether it's, it's to your, your sweetheart, or it's to a friend, or it's to a co-worker, or it's to a boss, or whatever. You just got so angry, you couldn't hold it back, and you just, boom, you let it out. And I got them. Actually, you didn't. You just messed up your life, your reputation, and your ability to influence. You see, this angry mouth is uncontrolled. This angry mouth can be vicious, vicious, and it can be wrathful. Wrathful is anger, basically, on steroids. You know where it says in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4 and back, that's in your list, Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it is uh, uh, verse, what is it, verse 30, I think it is, talks about outbursts of anger. The outbursts of anger are speaking about words that come out in anger that are meant to hurt and defile and to destroy. I don't know about you, but I've known people who've been very talented or skilled, I could say, in their words of anger to really destroy people in one fell swoop. How about the mouth of bitterness? Mouth of bitterness. You know, a bitter heart, it says, will defile many. Well, if your heart's bitter, that's inside. So how's a bitter heart inside going to defile many? Well, it's got to come out somehow. That poison's got to come out somehow. Can you imagine how that bitterness might come out? It's going to come out in words more often than not. Bitter words, as I've written down here, are cutting. They're cruel. They're caustic. They find joy in making other people squirm and, and feel lesser of a person. Cutting, cruel and caustic. It says, husbands, do not be embittered against your wife. Domestic violence isn't just physical. Domestic violence can be emotional and psychological in the sick, perverted, bitter words that come from a man's mouth. It goes two ways, though, ladies. Uh, ladies can render a husband actually quite useless with bitter words, caustic, cruel, and cutting words. You know, as Christians, none of this should be a part of our mouth. That's why it says, guard your heart. Guard your mouth. Put a guard over my mouth, O Lord. 
Where is that going to come from? It's going to come from the heart. So we have to do some restoration of the heart. Now, what does the book of James chapter 3 say? Turn to the book of James. Book of James chapter 3 kind of lays it all out on the line. Look, there is this, this beast that is absolutely uh, out of control. Actually, it's chapter 3. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Let not many become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such you will incur a stricter judgment. Oh, man, you can slip up with your words. Some of you have heard me slip up with my words up here, and it's like my face turns red, and I go, probably shouldn't have said that. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's humorous, sometimes it's not so humorous. So uh, I understand this statement here. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits in the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by such strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So as the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a force is set aflame by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and, sets, and has been set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we, we, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Do not despair, by the way, even though that passage of Scripture says no one can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. But the Spirit of God unleashed in your body can tame the tongue. But that means you need to be yielded, and so do I. Do you really fear God? Now remember what the fear of God is? Fear of God is to be in awe of his greatness. To love him. Yielded, bowed before him in service. Joyfully giving your all in service to him. But you also need to remember, as we've talked about before, the greatest number of passages on the fear of God are actually talking about that kind of fear. But there are some. There are some that say we should tremble. We should tremble. For he is a judge that will take every idle word into account. Every idle word. You ever heard the saying, you know, idle hands are the devil's workshop or something like that? <laughs> An idle tongue, an idle word can be used by the devil to really mess people up. We need to be careful. It doesn't matter how old you are in the Lord, you need to be careful. You need to be self-examining. Look at the book of Colossians 
uh, Colossians, 2 Corinthians, the last chapter. We are called to constantly test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. You know, the faith of Christ will produce the very voice, the very words of Christ. It says here, test yourselves, verse 5, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? The Spirit of Christ is in you, uh, unless indeed you fail the test. But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. We ourselves, speaking of Christians, if they will allow the Spirit of Christ speak to them through the Word. I wonder how many people who've been baptized are going to stand before King Jesus and hear, well, you know, you got baptized and that's good. You even did it for the right reason. But you never allowed my spirit to lead you and you had a perverted mouth. That's rugged. So it's important for us then to decide, okay, so where am I going to focus? Knowing that there's a ton about the perverted mouth. Now some say, well, that's kind of sweet, you know. Liar, gossip, anger, bitterness. He didn't talk about dirty jokes. I guess I'm covered. I'm okay. Well, no, you probably should go to Ephesians in, in chapter 5. might want to check that one out. No unwholesome word. In fact, if you flip your page, it says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, from Ephesians 4.29. That word... Unwholesome is rotten. The word rotten means worthless. Remember evil in the, in the Greek? Evil means a worthless word. Worthless. Well, worthless to God, but not worth, worthless to the devil. See, so go back and check out Ephesians and uh, chapter uh, 5. But let's read on. In this passage of scripture, how important it is to identify the unwholesome word. But more importantly, to identify words that edify. What does the word edify mean, by the way? The word edify is an awesome word. It means to build up. It means to build up. When I was a kid, I've told this before, when I was a kid, trying to help me become a better student, the teacher that I had in third grade labeled me as a slow learner. Kids took that and ran with that, especially after I was held back a year and I was labeled by my friends, not so much my friends, a retard. I hate that word. Being called a retard for three years made me believe that I was, that I could not think straight, I could not excel. See, words, as the Bible says, are a hammer. God's word is a hammer. God's word is fire. God's word is a sword. And I'll tell you what, that's absolutely right. To hammer you into the man or woman you're called to be. To burn all of the ugliness out of your life so you become that pure man or woman of God. That sword that cuts two ways. It's like a surgical sword that can cut out all the garbage in your mind and in your heart and instill in you the blessing of the surgical knife that cuts out the the ugly, and then restores the good. We need to recognize that this word edify, words that promote spiritual growth, the development of Christ's character in a person. They're intentional, they're purposeful, 
They're words that instruct but also inspire. I wish Alan were here right now. You know, Alan's a young man. His first sermon was up at men's camp. His first sermon was amazing. But for those of us who's been around a long time and have preached and heard great preaching and whatnot, I mean, there's a million things we could have picked him apart about. But you know what? First time preaching, I was actually kind of in awe of that first sermon. My first sermon was about 10 minutes long of ranting and raving about a whole lot of nothing. And the preacher that asked me to preach took me aside privately afterward and schooled me. And he needed to. Schooled me not in the art of preaching. Schooled me in the art of helping people grow, not helping people feel like dirtbags. That's not what Alan did. Alan did a phenomenal job. And so although we could have looked at him and said, well, there's, you could do this and this, and oh man, you, know, you could have used this verse. Could have. But what would that have done? What would that have done? Would that have helped me become a greater preacher? Absolutely not. You see, when, <clears throat> when someone is striving to do a, a, a great thing of service to the Lord, but they don't quite make it to what you believe to be the standard, the cool thing is, is that Jesus is so excited about that young Christian striving to do great things. What should we be then? Excited and encouraging and building up of that young person. And look at what has happened. Because that's what we've been striving to do here. Excel still more and more, brethren. Because as that young man stood up and did two awesome prayer meditations, encouraged the whole body, we have to appreciate. We have to edify. What does it mean according to the need of the, the moment? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification that it might meet the need of the moment. How, are you locked into people's lives so much so when you see them struggling or you see on their, their body language or their words they need a word of building up? You see, you tailor your words to meet the need. One of my favorite passages that I made all of my students at Willamette High School memorize was awesome. It came from, take a look at Proverbs chapter 25. I don't want to mess it up. It's been a while since I had preached it at Willamette. So uh, Proverbs chapter 25 and take a look at verse 11. Proverbs uh, chapter 25 and, and verse 11. Like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. You know what's kind of fun with my students at Willamette? They're going, what are apples of gold and settings of silver? I mean, they would. It's like, that's stupid. That's a stupid saying. I said, you know how much time it takes for a jeweler to develop a masterpiece you know how costly that is 
and then it's developed as a custom piece of jewelry for a person who has requested that? How many of you sometimes see, I desperately need someone to affirm who I am and what I'm doing? We all do. We all need words of encouragement. We all do. So here's a masterful creation. Apples of gold and settings of silver and delivered at just the right time. Do you think that Alan was nervous when he preached his first sermon? He was, wasn't he? We could tell. But man, he got over that and he pushed through. He powered through. Man, that, that takes a lot. It was awesome to see. And so what would be one of the appropriate apples of gold and settings of silver? Man, what great confidence you showed. Yeah, but I was really nervous. Yes, I could tell at the beginning, but man, you sucked it up and you powered through and you got better as you were presenting. You did a great job. And I heard other people telling them that same thing. You see, apples of gold and settings of silver. Proverbs 15 teaches something even better. And I'll let you take a look at that when you have a moment. But you know, saying the right thing at the right time for the need of the heart is so critical. And you know what it's going to do? It'll give grace to those who hear. You know what the word grace here actually means? You know the word grace, cheris, is an unmerited gift. An unmerited gift. That's what it actually means. But when you give a word of encouragement, a word to build up to meet the need of the moment, you're giving a person a gift. You're actually giving the person a gift of power. The word grace in this uh, context means a word of empowerment so that they will serve the Lord in a greater way. It actually means to bless and energize through a compliment that you would share. So if we go back and we go, okay, all this, all this nasty, vile, perverted stuff that... that we may have developed as kind of our default, that's got to go. The repentance process, the setting your mind on things above, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's really what we need to do. But only you can do it for you. You can hate the, 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 the perverted words in my mouth, and if you're kind, you'll come alongside and say, you know, I've stuck my foot in my mouth more than I, in fact, I'm choking on something just from yesterday. Uh, and then you go on to help. Instead of saying, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, and everybody thinks you're an idiot, and so just know that I'm one of them. We took a vote, and it was unanimous. You're an idiot. Thank you for that word of encouragement. Okay. How many of you have ever stuck their foot in their mouth, by the way? How many of you have ever done it more than once? How many of you have done it more than you'd like to say? How many of you have ever done it publicly from the pulpit? <laughs> wow. But my point is this. is Everybody does that as you're growing in courage and inspire. Don't damn and condemn and criticize. 
That's easy to do. But inspire and help them grow beyond that. That's really what Christ did for everyone he talked to, isn't it? Think about that. When Christ interfaced with people, he was always drawing them up to a higher place. Whether it was the horrible sin that everybody doesn't want to talk about, but there it is in living color, or the ones who have all their sins packaged neatly in a nice little box and are able to justify them really, really well, and, oh, they are holier than thou, so we need to bow down and worship them. I'm telling you what, Jesus had an answer for every one of those. And he did it in such a way that they could hear it and they could grow from it. You know, many of the priests became obedient to the gospel. But remember, a lot of those folks were called what? Hypocrites. They were called out. You're saying, well, that's not nice. That's cruel. No. In the context, go back and look. By the way, should we call people in the world hypocrites? This is off script. No. They're living according to a carnal heart. They're living, to a, they're living according to a carnal heart. But what about the person who's claiming Christ Jesus? They're making a mess for you and me. We need to privately take them aside and go, look, buddy, this is what you're doing. Think, well, that's, that's, those aren't encouraging words. You need to know your audience. Some people need that. They need that. Those who publicly cut people down need to be privately taken aside and say, you need to get off your high horse because it's no horse at all. Brethren, it's important for us to understand Ephesians 4.29. That's where we need to focus. If we <clears throat> fear God, we love Him and want to live like Him. Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29, let that drive you. Know what that looks like in every person's life in the individual conversations that you have with them. If you make a mistake, what's the very first thing you should do? If you make a mistake and a perverted word comes out of your mouth, what should you do? Christian, what should you do? Whether it's to a sinner or a saint, what should you do? You should own it and ask for forgiveness. How many would agree with that? Because if you don't own it, everybody makes mistakes. If you don't own it, you become one of those holier-than-thou folks. See how important it is we recognize then that these words can still slip out of our, our mouths when we're not intentional, when we're not purposeful, when we're not striving to live Ephesians 4.29? Brethren, do we really fear God? Do we really hold him in such awe and adoration that we're willing to subject ourselves to his every word? Now let's put flesh on it. What does Ephesians 4.29 look like for you? Where are you struggling in the perverted words? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? Is it lying? Is it vulgarity? Get rid of it and restore the very character of Christ in every word and deed. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of calling us, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, into a closer, living, practical walk with you as we speak to others to build them up, not tear them down. 
Lord, I pray that we would recognize if we stand in awe of your greatness and we recognize the great and abiding love with which you love us, we will humble ourselves and give ourselves more fully to living for you and like you and rejecting the world, being conformed not to this world, but rather being conformed to the image of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's all stand and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, thank you much. We'll see you next week, Lord willing.